Welcome to the Kick-Ass Life Podcast. My name is Elle Russ. Join me and my co-host, Tara Garrison, every week as we tackle topics related to mindset and empowerment so you can create a happier, more abundant, and fun kick-ass life. Video episodes are available on youtube.com forward slash kick-ass life podcast. To learn more about us, visit our websites, coachtaragarrison.com and lruss.com. Hey guys, I want to tell you about one of my favorite new companies and that is Rep Provisions. So I met these guys at Paleo FX last year where they were just blowing everyone away with their beef sticks and pecan nut butter combo packs that are outrageously delicious. But as I talked to them, I was even more blown away because I found out what they were about. They are a regenerative agriculture company committed to the future of the planet by the proper management of cattle. So they are regenerating America's grasslands with the management of their cattle. Look into it. It's amazing. Um, they have everything from, of course, high quality grass fed, grass finished beef to Mongolisa pork, which is like the wagyu of pork, to bone broth, to bone broth popsicles, pecan nut butters, like I said, and so many amazing things. Um, go support them and support the future of our planet. And they're giving you 15% off for being a Kick Ass Life podcast listener. So use coupon code Kick Ass Life and get 15% off at repprovisions.com. Hey everyone, we're going to take a minute here at the top of the show to chat with you about some of our sponsors who are offering incredible discounts for you and your family. We also only align ourselves with companies that we know are providing safe and healthy products and also products that we actually consume on a regular, if not sometimes daily basis. And one of those companies is Primal Kitchen. Primal Kitchen products are incredible because they are dairy-free, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free with no refined sugar. And they are delicious. So visit PrimalKitchen.com to check out the vast array of products available available and use code KICKASSLIFE for 10% off. Hey guys. Okay. So today we are interviewing Elle. We're going to get to know Elle on a deep and personal level here. <laughs> um, first, Elle, I have some like rapid fire questions and then we'll go into like a deeper part. Okay. okay. So rapid fire, let's go. All right. What's your, what's your favorite healthy food? The one you just want to eat all the time. Shit. God, I think there's like a lot, actually. I would say right off the bat, I love cucumbers. I just love cucumbers in so many different varieties. So uh, plain by themselves, like Japanese cucumber salad. So I say that's a very healthy thing that I love. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. I'm gonna have to send you some tahini. Have you ever had that? The Mexican? You mean tahini? Yeah. Uh Oh, are you talking about the salt? Yeah. (laughs) I I grew up with a bunch of kids from Mexico and they always had salt they were sucking on. And I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. No, I haven't tried it on cucumbers, but I know people love it. (laughs) I'll just send you some. It's so good. It's my favorite. All right. Favorite junk food. Oh, uh, that would be like donuts or cake. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Which kind, which kind of donut, which kind of cake? I mean, I like straight up like sugar donuts, plain, like old school. Uh Um, Uh you know, I like, uh, things with frosting on it. So I like, I like lemon cupcakes and things like that. I love, uh, but yeah, anything like a good cupcake, not a shitty one from the local store, but like a really good one or like a really good piece of like homemade buttercream cake with frosting. That kind of stuff is like, like the old school classics is what I'm hearing. The old school classics. Yeah. 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 I don't really go for like candy or too much chocolate or ice cream or those other things. It's not that they're not good, but if I had to choose one, it'd be like, Oh yeah, let's go for some donuts. Totally. Yeah. I'm not an ice cream person either. That's a, Mm -hmm. not a, not a tripping point for me. Okay, cool. Um, most impacting book you've ever read, right? Straight out of the gate. Just what stands out. Um, um, the nature of personal, the nature, the nature of personal reality, uh, by Seth and Seth is a channeled entity. It seems real woo woo and crazy. Um, back in the seventies, it was written 
And actually the Seth material, Seth has several books, are the most requested materials from the Yale University archives, oddly enough. Um, wow. And so Seth is very similar to what people know as the current Esther Hicks through Abraham Hicks. Yeah. So Esther channels this thing called Abraham, but Esther and her husband were both very interested into the Seth material mm. way mm. long prior. So yeah, so I would say the nature of personal reality. I reread it all the time. I've taken wow. courses on it. It's literally like a Bible of mine that I read all the time. Wow. Okay. I've heard of it. I haven't read it though. And I'm a huge fan of Abraham Hicks. So I'll have to get on that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, most impacting movie you've ever watched. Just knee jerk reaction just stands uh. out. Uh, you know, so many, but I would say one that really hit me was a 19, it's a, it won the Oscar in 1946. It's called Gentleman's Agreement. Uh, the reason it hit me so hard is because my grandmother was a blonde uh, Jew and she was very embarrassed about that. She was the only blonde Jew in her neighborhood growing up. She hmm. wanted to be the first Supreme Court justice. There was a lot of anti-Semitism in the thirties when she had graduated law school, being one of like two women to graduate. And at the time, you know, women wow. couldn't even serve on juries. So for her, it was like, she wasn't religious. She wasn't into the religion and she didn't want to be judged for it. So she was yeah. one of those people that walked around and passed, right? Passed yeah. as not being Jewish and kind of was like, oh, we're Unitarian or whatever. So she denied her heritage for so long and ended it to be a strife in the family because half were practicing Jews and half were like, we don't want to be associated because we don't want to get discriminated against. Yeah. Want, right. And so wow. gentlemen's agreement really uh, after my grandmother died, I watched it and it, I was so mad at her for de- like denying us this mm. heritage for so long. And mm. when I watched a gentleman's agreement is a, it, it, there's a reason it won the Oscar. It, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it. It is so well-written. It is about a guy, uh, Gregory Peck, who decides to go to New York and he's like going to write an article about anti-Semitism, but he's like, well, what has already been said that hasn't been said? Like, how do I do this? So he changes his name and just pretends to act like he's Jewish. And the reactions that he gets from people along the way, the subtle racism, the subtle anti-Semitism, all of those things made me feel more empathetic to my grandmother. And I thought, you know what, if I were her, I probably would have done the same shit. Mm. So that's why that was an impactful movie for me. I think it's a movie everybody should watch. Um, and definitely every, everybody who's at, as any Jewish heritage should watch. But I think that that was really impactful because it changed the way I saw her and yeah. also how I understood why she would have done that. And I can't say that I wouldn't have done the same thing. That's very cool. Yeah. It's sometimes it's um, hard for us to take things out of our context of the time that we've lived in and realize it was just a very different time and people were under different pressures. That's really cool. What, what an amazing story was that. And did your grandmother live in Chicago also? She did. Yeah. She, yeah. she grew up in like Ohio, but then she moved to Chicago and uh, they were all like blonde and red haired Jews. And it completely separated the family. It was like a huge, really? Still, yeah. It was still a huge thing. Like I didn't, I was wondering, I'm like, why are my cousins celebrating Hanukkah? And then I kind of connected. I was like, wait, even you're Jewish, isn't that blood? Like, then aren't we Jew? And then when I called <laughs> my grandmother to ask her, she was so embarrassed and had had this so into her head all these years. My grandmother didn't even invite my great grandmother to her own daughter's wedding because it wasn't a Jewish wedding. Wow. She was Jewish and she was like, we're just going to keep her out of Again, everything was about protecting this appearance. Wow. And I get, I get, I, that movie made me understand it, but, um, mm-hmm. I, it kind of caused a rip in the family. So then later on, I was like, what the hell? And so, you wow. know, so in eighth grade, I kind of really discovered the truth and then yeah, went along my way. Oh, wow. Wow. That's a really cool story. Thanks for sharing that. Um, 
Uh, okay, favorite movie genre now? Like, if you're just gonna comedy. like watch a movie, what comedy? Hands comedy. down, comedy. There's no question about <laughs> it. It's either stand up or it's gonna be some really goofy shit. Like this weekend, I watched Chris Wigg's new movie, Barb and Star. Love that shit. Love anything having to do with high characters. Uh, <laughs> no goofy comedies. It's always been my thing. Um, it's my favorite favorite. comedy. Oh, that's really tough. My favorite comedy book of all time is Confederacy of Dunces. My favorite comedy would be, oh, that's so tough. I mean, I like everything from airplane and slapstick movies from back in the day to, uh, yeah, just, I don't know. If you had to watch one today, what would you choose? Ooh, um, God, that's really, really just for fun. It was just a fun one. I've seen so many. I gotta just, uh, (laughs) God. Oh my God. Yeah, this is such a, this is a tough, that's too tough. You it's can't so, choose. You really so love comedy. I love so many <laughs> things so much that I feel like if I say one, I'm like, Oh no, but that one, but that one, but that one. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. Uh, you have a favorite comedian tough. or a few. I do. I have some favorite comedians. Um, back to like, probably my all time favorite would be George Carlin. Who's now dead. And I saw him twice in person before he died, which was awesome. Uh, Bill Hicks, who's also dead, who was an amazing comedian. Of course, I love Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor, but is, uh, recent days, everything from Dave Chappelle, Louis CK. I love Sarah Silverman. Um, there's some other really great ladies out there. Uh, Whitney Cummings. I love, uh, Cat Williams. I love Kevin Hart. Uh, I'm constantly watching comedy, everything from, Oh, I love Joy Co. Uh, sorry, Joe. Joe Coy has a really a uh, couple great standups that came out in the past couple of years. I actually like all these people I've watched all of their standup specials probably three or four times. It doesn't get old mm. to me to keep watching it. Yeah. Okay. So in your like acting career, dream, dream movie, your dream role with dream cast. I would be a comedy. And it would probably be with all of the people you've seen on SNL and uh, like the Melissa McCarthy's of the world, the Kristen Wiggs. Those are all the people like I've done sketch comedy with before in the past, like in those kind of scenarios. So I would choose to be in a high end comedy movie with a bunch of sketch comedian actors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Um, Let's see. So you have an evening open to yourself. What do you do? (laughs) I've had an evening open to myself for a year. (laughs) Um, Your favorite thing. Like what's a, like, Oh, I loved this, you know? Uh, so it's just with me hanging yeah. out. Okay. Yeah, so like you, ideal scenario choose. would be like, you know, take a nice long bath, chill, um, you know, listen to some yummy stuff, then maybe, uh, you know, cook dinner or have it cooked for me or order it and just chill, like staring at a fireplace, watching a good movie, just, uh, you know, I can just like, stare at a mountain and just enjoy that first. So if there's a view, I would probably just sit there with the fire and stare at the view. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Just calm. Um, okay. Biggest pet peeve. I got a couple of these. All right, let's go. Let's hear them. one is one is, um, I hate it when people don't signal in the car. It's like, let everyone know where you're fucking going, dude. Like this bothers me because I don't care if you're going to be making maneuvers let everyone know where you're going. So even when like, there's nobody on the road, it could be late at night. I still signal <laughs> like there's still, yeah. I may be like, there may be someone habit. 500 feet back. It's <laughs> habit. And I also really like that. Um, it's like courtesy, a courtesy thing of like, it's a, cur- letting it's people a courtesy know. Yeah. thing. Um, I, I don't, I don't like lateness. I've been very clear with like the yeah. about that um, <laughs> chronic kind of stuff like that. Um, I think that that's, uh, geez, you know, it's t- I mean, I guess I don't have too many. Um, yeah. I would just say, I would say those, those kind of things like, um, yeah. 
Yeah. It boils down, I think, to not being courteous to other people, not considering others. Yeah. Right. Okay. I think I'm always kind of in that state a little bit. Yeah. What I do. So when people are really mm-hmm. in the other direction, I'm like, really? Yeah, totally. I can see that. Um, favorite quality in people. Oh, I mean, I super respond to people that are no bullshit, bullshit. Tell it like it is absolutely 100%. Most of my friends are that way. We talk with each other that way. I believe it brings people closer because it is a level of vulnerability and transparency. And I would prefer to be around those people, despite how sometimes harsh or direct that language is, I would prefer (laughs) that over the other. And I think we can both be that way. So it's really nice when you find friends that way, because you're like, I'm not being harsh with you. I'm like, I'm actually being loving. I'm just like telling you the truth. (laughs) Yeah. Cause it's honesty. It's a, it's a connection thing, I think. So I I agree with you on that. Um, And I think like not, you know, in the, in that friendship too, like in the brutalness, knowing that they're not going to judge you. Like I had a friend who yeah. called me, I had a friend who called me yesterday who was like, I feel really bad, but I just have to express this to someone. Like I started smoking cigarettes again and I don't want to yeah. stop right now. And I just needed to talk to someone about it because I feel ew about it. And I was like, but I'm glad that they called me and they trusted that they knew I wasn't going to judge them. I wasn't going to give them a lecture, right. you know, but they just needed a sounding ear. So yeah. So that combined with acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, a habit that you have that you're proud of. Um, I would say, uh, I'm pretty self-motivated when it comes to like exercise and health and things like that. And I know you are too. And I know a lot of people struggle with that. So I'm sort of just grateful that it's inherent now. What does that look like for you? Your exercise? I mean, like sometimes it does, I have to force it, you know, I have to be like, I Uh don't do this, damn it. You know, but I usually end up doing it. I always feel great about it. It's, um, it's important to my arm situation and my whole Mm -hmm. life, you know, that I keep sort of aligned and, and healthy. Um, but I love it because many, many years ago, I hated it. You could have never gotten me on a hike or to do something active. Like there was Mm -hmm. many years where I didn't do jack. So the fact that it's sort of just built in now and it's motivated and it's something like I love versus Mm -hmm. like, ah, shit, I have to do it. Even though sometimes I feel that way and I do it anyway, Mm -hmm. I still love it. Mm -hmm. So I'm just glad that the tides have changed there from way long ago where I just didn't care. What do you think has gotten you to love it? You know, for somebody who can relate, like they were like, I, dude, I hate doing it. Like, they're like, how do you get there? What, what do you think has caused you to love it? Um, like the results, how I feel. Um, I also feel that there is, because I don't, no one necessarily is like, oh, I can't wait. I know you are sometimes, but sometimes people aren't like that. I think that's such a great, like, um, test to constantly be overcoming. You do it anyway. Mm-hmm. There's something there that makes me feel proud, even in the moments when I don't want to. There's some conquering there, some accomplishment, something that I feel yeah. like. Yeah. And I think because it is a self, it's based in self love. It's based in like, right? Mm-hmm. Keeping yourself young and, you know, as long as you possibly can and agile. And so there's something about that that just feels so good. Yeah. I think the days that I don't feel like doing it or the days that I'm like, feel the best after I do anyway, like it's, it's like this double whammy right. of, I feel better now and I'm freaking proud of myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, all right. A habit you're not so proud of. <laughs> oh man. Um, you on the spot. Yeah. Let's see a habit that I'm not so proud of. Um, I would, you know, I like marijuana, but I think that, um, smoking it, it's, it's not good. And so I think sometimes like I smoke it versus eat it. And I wish that mm-hmm. I would do the other more than the other, just cause I know it's damaging. So there are times when I feel 
uh, about that mm-hmm. uh, or like, okay, you know, and then it makes me feel yucky because of the smoke and things like that, <laughs> even though I love the actual drug, you know? So, but yeah. you know, in California we can get edibles. And stuff. So I think like, I, I'd like to get rid of completely, like feeling like I, not that it wouldn't be every once in a while, but I wouldn't do it as regular maybe as I do. And I'm not like smoking weed all day long or anything. But yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just one thing the- that I'm like, oh, I'd like to get over that hump. Cause I used to be a cigarette smoker. Mm-hmm. Then I was a vapor. And now it's like, okay, this is the last like lung thing. Just like get rid of yeah. it. So, yeah. I think, um, the flower is so beautiful, like a vaporizer. Those are so cool because you get that without getting like the burnt yes. particles. Yeah. Those yeah. are cool. Um, okay. Um, something you're a sucker for that makes your heart just like, mm. <laughs> Oh, puppies and babies, little, t- <laughs> like any kid between like one and two, like two years old, kind of little toddlers mm-hmm. and puppies and, and, and dogs just man damn it i love all animals and so if i need to like get into a better mood i'm more inclined to go on instagram and look at golden doodles or like you know pictures of my friends babies to lighten me up yeah that makes our golden like, doodles your favorite dog breed right now they are but there's another <laughs> one that i really like too called anatolian shepherds um mm. and they are sort of an ancient breed of dog and the reason that they're cool is that they are the only dogs that literally repel mountain lions and bears. So people have them in really crazy parts of the world and a bear or a mountain lion won't fuck with you. So a lot of the pasture raised farmers in California have Anatolian shepherds protecting their property. It's like an outdoor dog. They're really cool. They're beautiful, but they can be like 150 pounds. They're massive. Um, And I learned about them a few years ago and I just, I love them, but yeah, golden doodle, I would say is my favorite. Mm, Yeah. The other one would be really great for you for hiking. I think out in California, like that would make me feel much more (laughs) confident. Yeah. Colorado too. When you come across bears and stuff like these dogs just there's some there they are an ancient breed from like three four thousand years ago there must be some sort of inherent agreement because they use them in africa to protect farms from cheetahs and mm. so cheetahs don't even want to deal with them and cheetahs are way bigger than these dogs so there must be some ancient like underlying agreement like don't f with us or something wow. yeah but i love golden doodles because they don't shed and they're yeah. hypoallergenic and they're so silky and yeah i'm just in love with them yeah. Wow. Uh, um, I, I, I want a dog so bad. So I love, I could talk about that all day. I also follow some dog accounts too, just cause it Me brings too. a little yeah. bit of joy <laughs> into your day. Um, all right. Um, what would you consider your top three strengths you as an individual that can be random? You're just like, yep, I'm just naturally strong in that. Um, confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, and, and okay. So, but within confidence, I said like drawing boundaries and all that stuff. Cause yeah. I'm really good at it. Yep. Um, I'm incredibly loyal. Yeah. I think that that is a awesome trait to have. Mm-hmm. I admire it in others too. Not blind loyalty, but I'm loyal. Yeah. Um, yeah. and you know, I, one of the qualities like about it's like, I'm not moody ever. I could be That's moody cool. with myself for a minute. I will mm-hmm. never snap at anybody. Cause I'm in a bad mood. And if I did, I'd recognize it right away and be like, Oh, oh shit, I'm sorry. So that quality is important to me. And I like in other people, people who are approachable, uh, you know, approachable, you don't have to walk around in eggshells or tiptoe. And yeah. I, I put myself on that. I I'm a very approachable, easygoing person. It's kind of easy to get along with. It takes a lot to really fucking offend and piss me off. Like something really bad, like, and I'd speak up too, but it'd have to be a lot, a lot of things yeah. just kind of go, mm, I don't care. So, um, so yeah, I would say that. Yeah. Yeah. I, you're a very like considerate person and good friend. And so I think like that, uh, that's like value that you hold in that leaks out in all these different facets of your personality. I've noticed it's just like, you provide like a safe energy for the people that you're around. So I can definitely agree with that and see that. 
All right, let's go a little deeper. All right. So we know that you grew up in Chicago, right? And we've heard, I've heard little stories here and there of like, you're like, I was kind of had to be like tough sometimes to protect myself. Sometimes I was a little bit of a bully to people. Um, so we've got like a little bit of the gauge of like cute, little, adorable, tough L. <laughs> um, but I'm curious, like, tell us a little bit more about, I want to know what you were like in high school. What was L like mm-hmm. in high school? Ooh, oof. Rough man, couple of my <laughs> couple of my friends from high school would be like, "Shit!" Um, all right, so this is how my mom would describe it. My mom would describe it that an exorcism took place when I was thirteen, <laughs> and that I did not return until I was seventeen. So I was a nightmare in high school. Nightmare. Oh First of God. all, I tripped on acid in school tons of times. Just didn't give a shit. Um, I, I I got kicked out of high school. I mean, talk about like, you know, being on the low rung of, of shithead kids and in school, who gets kicked out, right? Oh, me and actually one of my friends that I grew up with, we actually both got expelled from the same school um, and a Jesuit high school. So, you know, pretty, pretty much of an ouch. Um, we were, all of us had at least one parent who was an alcoholic mm. um, in varying degrees. <clears throat> we all had divorced families. Like at least like all of us were from divorced families. One had an alcoholic and we were growing up in a really tough city with not only harsh weather mm-hmm. conditions, but we're talking like we're dodging gangbangers. We're dodging nasty people. We're bullet. I mean, I'm not joking, like for real. And so yeah. it kind of puts you in this, like, you're always like looking and seeing like, who's going to fucking try to come at me. It's a, it's a defensive game. It felt like, you know, you're in a video game trying to, trying to dodge shit. Now Chicago's actually, even though people, <laughs> even though people know Chicago is like the murder capital of the world, but now it's sort of like South side Chicago versus where I grew up. But even then it was, it was really bad. And it was the most segregated city in the U S the worst uh, uh, public school education. And so, you know, we just got into a lot of trouble because we had a lot of leeway. So we, you know, we cut school for four hours and still pass. Like I failed 42. uh, I I failed. uh, I missed 42 days in a class, 42 days out of a whole year. And I still passed like that's shouldn't, work like that right but it did when you're going to a shitty public school where no one cares so we took advantage of it and i don't think we learned a lot (laughs) you know we did um so yeah so we were kind of tough we were on the edge of always like fighting with people to be honest with you like a girl fight could turn into a, a fist fight um you know you had a lot of just people who i think were like angry and tough and in this like grueling kind of we're in 20 degree below weather going to school and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I don't know, I feel like there was a lot of, there was a lot of, so we were, yeah, we were tough and we were, um, we were just kind of like, uh, we blew, we, we blew off school and took advantage of all the stuff. We actually had a lot of fun. Um, but you know, we, we got away with murder. Wow. We were like polar opposites in school. I was like, in the marching band and little straight A goody two shoes never did anything bad. Like start. Yeah. It's so funny, but I, I think I that's love why it. when I got to college, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, everyone was like, yeah, raging and they drinking. And cause they had just been free for the first time. And I think my friends and I from Chicago were all like, Oh, we're tired. We already did this for four years, you know? So yeah, like my college right. happened kind of earlier. Cause yeah. we were all having sex freshman year of high school, eight, end of eighth grade. Wow. Legit. Most of us, like, I can't, I can't even name someone I grew up with that wasn't in that scenario. We grew up really fast. So also we could buy alcohol anywhere we wanted, even without an ID, like literally eighth grade walking. We knew the liquor stores that we could go to. We legit didn't even have. So when you live in a city like that, where you get to be an adult, but you're not one and also bars. So we would go to clubs and the bars would absolutely let us in. We'd know someone that worked in the door. He's an older brother of someone. Long story short, we were like at the major, like serious 
club bars and were freshmen, sophomore wow. in high school. And so we were living this like insane, like limelight life. Uh, it was literally, it was like studio 52 or 54, or whatever they call it. Like that was kind of like our life in Chicago. So it was like, it was just insane. So I think by the time I got out of there, I was like, oh, I can't do this again for another four years. Wow. Again, it kind of reminds me of the story of your grandma. It's just like context. It was like, it was a different place. It was a different time. It's what was normal. It was, yeah. So that's- Have you ever seen that that movie, Kids? It's a really harsh Mm -mm. movie. Mm -mm. Uh, It's about these kids in New York growing up. And some people watched it and were like, that's so unrealistic. And I watched it and I was like, oh my God, that's, they nailed it. Like they nailed (laughs) what growing up in the city at that time was life. Um, And it was just weird. And also too, we had a lot of friends that had a lot of money. Um, so we just, I mean, like, okay. Like for example, you know, chef Courtney Contos, Courtney Contos, mm-hmm. our friend, she also does mm-hmm. the uh, chili kits for rep provisions. Uh, we've talked about this before, but you know, her father owned a famous restaurant in Chicago and it was like a five-star restaurant. We would cut school and we'd be hanging out at this restaurant, drinking champagne, filet mignon. I mean, top of the top with, you know, and lunching with like business people in suits and shit. And here we are like 16 years old, just like living the high life in the middle of the day on a Tuesday. Like this just, kids didn't really grow up like that. You know what I mean? Unless you probably were from one of these cities. So it was like a really weird, interesting life. I wouldn't take it back, but yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So when you turned 17, your, your soul returned to your body, as your mom says. So like, and then you went to college in California, correct? So actually I went to, actually I might, uh, so I got kicked out of high school, so I didn't have a lot of options. Because okay. Yeah. If you yeah. High school, you're now on the bottom <laughs> of the list, and I didn't have great SAT scores or grades because yeah, I fucked right. off for you know. So basically, my mom was like, "How are you going to get into school?" And she hired a private college counselor who mm. knew about schools, and he was like, "You know, there's this small school in Indiana called Butler University. Oh, okay. We could probably get her in there." I literally had to meet with my mom and some admissions person and basically like apologize for my history and my resume <laughs> in college and prove to them that I deserve to be let in. I mean, I wow. really had to try. So then I got in there. And when I got there, I was horrified because everyone in the school was racist, homophobic, and um, except for the gays and all the people in the theater department. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna hang out with those people. And it was horrifying. Like I had a roommate whose family was in the KKK and um, I had grown up in Chicago with all cultures and all people. So now yeah. I'm in Indiana oh and I'm gosh. going, what the fuck? Like, how do people yeah. think this way? And that didn't work for me. So I ended up being miserable there because of the student body population. And I went back to the same college counselor and I said, I got to get out of here. Like I, I have to get out of here. And so then my requirements had changed at that point. Obviously I hadn't got kicked out of school or anything. And so that's when I, I transferred my junior year to UC Santa Cruz and then graduated from there. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. So, uh, shifting from like this, you know, experience of just kind of being off the rails, like, like where did this start to shift? Because now I feel like you're like very structured, very, you know, task oriented, like get everything done on top of your game. Like how did this start to shift inside you from like filet mignon and champagne, skipping school (laughs) as a teenager to like super structured and disciplined? in life? Like how did, where did, you know, take us along that journey. How did you start to shift inside of yourself into getting into that space? Um, well, I think it was like, whew, I got into a college, so let's just get this finished. You know, uh-huh. let's like, uh-huh. and I had already like screwed up and I wasn't, I knew I was, I wasn't afraid of 
going down that spiral again. You know, like I hit my bottom already. And then I was like, not worried about hitting that bottom again. Mm. I just wanted to get through school and graduate with a degree. That was really the only important thing to me. I didn't even, you know, at that point. Yeah. But I had wanted to go to law school and so for many, many years. So I was planning for that. And in my junior, sorry, in my freshman and sophomore year at Butler University, which helped me probably get into Santa Cruz, I was on student government. I was, I did like every resume building thing you could do to make it look good to transfer (laughs) and to make it look good for a law school, clearly. So, uh, and then I did the same thing at Santa Cruz as well. And I just thrived after that. I think after hitting that first bottom, and I'm kind of glad I hit it so early in life because I know it would be more detrimental maybe if it had happened later. So I'm Mm -hmm. like kind of glad that my shit show happened at 16 years old or whatever, you know, because then it's like, I knew I would never go down there again. And I saw it happen to people in college and some other stuff. And I'm like, Oh, better get kids out of high school than college. (laughs) You know? So yeah, that's how I felt like, Ooh, okay. I made it. That's very cool. Yeah. You matured quickly because you kind of like got that out of your system. Yeah, exactly. Um, so when did your desire for acting and comedy and, and all of this, when, when did that start? How did that start? I mean, from the time I was a kid, it always like I, I loved uh, there's a great I love Savage Steve Holland he's a director he wrote a movie called Better Off Dead which is a total comedy classic and um, I love that movie and I love these movies and whenever they're on I'd watch them and I just dreamed of being in them and I love mm. John Hughes movies which were all filmed in Chicago mm. um, I love the movie Splash with Daryl Hannah and yeah. like she had babysat someone we know so mm. it was like oh it's reality. Possible. Like, oh, right. someone that we know who knew, like actually made it. And there was obviously like Jennifer yep. Beals from Plat Flashdance. She also was from Chicago. So there were some people that came out of Chicago and I was like, oh, but I always figured mm-hmm. it was unrealistic and stupid. But I was the kid that would like, I loved SNL, Saturday Night Live as a kid. I loved David Letterman. I would watch this stuff like all the time. I, I geeked down on it constantly. Like I just mm. dreamed of it, but I kind of mm. thought like, this is unrealistic. My parents will never let me do, you know what I mean? Mm. Like go be a lawyer, you know? It sounds like you kind of like were kind of programmed, like this is unrealistic, but deep inside yourself, you kind of knew it wasn't unrealistic. You were like, yes, I am going to do it. But, but everyone says yeah. I'm not. So I'll kind of entertain that <laughs> thought system, yeah. but you still like drove into it. That's cool. So that's been your And passion. I went to a uh, school with uh, Robin Tunney and she's a, uh you guys can look her up T-U-N-N-E-Y. She's actually really well-known. She's a really respected actress. The reason you don't know about her very much is that she stays out of the press and bullshit. Mm-hmm. She, uh, she went to high school with us and she uh, went to, I remember when she went to go pursue acting and she was like, I'm going to go out to LA and I'm going to go do this thing. And I, and I downered it. I rolled my eyes in my head and I was like, good luck with that. And then look at her now, like just killing it. Um, we also went to school with Laura Flynn Boyle, who was very famous for a long time. Unfortunately, if you look her up now, she had an unfortunate situation where she went to a plastic surgeon and like ruined her entire face for life kind of thing. Um, One of those awful things you hear about happened to her. So we haven't seen her act in something for a very long time, but she was also Mm. very respected for many years and I knew them well. So again, that also gave me hope when I started to see Robin on TV and Lara, I was like, wait a minute. And then years later, uh, when years later than I, after I, the corporate thing was over and my hands got injured, had my hands never gotten injured. I don't know that I would have pursued acting. Wow. Yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to get into that too. Your hand injury and, and hypothyroidism Mm -hmm. timeline wise, I was curious when, when you were experiencing all of like the heat of hypothyroidism and the pain of that, was that when you started working for Mark Sisson? Were you already in that? No. Um, so I started working for Mark Sisson eight years ago. Uh, my first 
thyroid issue ever came up 17 years ago. Okay. Okay. So, way so I had already gone through, I actually met Mark as I had fixed my second bout, my reverse T3 problem, mm. but I still couldn't lose the weight. And I was doing hot yoga five days a week. That's mm. when I met Carrie and Mark. And that's when I started. So that was about eight years ago when I started to get into the paleo primal and all this kind of stuff. Wow. Okay. Uh, curious for inquiring minds. Like what, I know you speak so highly of Carrie and Mark. What are your favorite qualities about them? Fuck. I love them so much. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know any, you know, and I say this and people are like, uh, no, I've said it for years. No, my friends cannot even believe. I, I can't even believe the amount of times I've been like, I love, like, I don't know anyone else who loves working for someone as much as I love working for them. Carrie Sisson is amazing. Uh, Carrie is the most even killed person you'll ever meet. There's barely anything that rattles this mofo. I mean, I should talk <laughs> about, she's very, she also though has a spiritual, uh, she has a master's in spiritual psychology. She is very cool on top of the mindset stuff. This, she travels to Finland to do one mindset thing. She's done Byron Katie. She does all of it. And so she mm. is like real there. So she's very steady. She never mm. raises her voice or gets like freaked out or hot headed about anything. Mm-hmm. And as a boss or co-boss with Mark, she, uh, the, the level of appreciation was amazing. Like she would just text me one day and be like, I love you. Thank you so much for all you do for us. Like you're amazing. I couldn't do without just, mm-hmm. you know, lovely, mm-hmm. just lovely. Mm-hmm. The one thing I love about Mark and Carrie together is they are just like so generous and open. And I think it's because they both, you know, they're both personal trainers. They didn't have a lot of money. So when they got a lot of money and had a big house, I cannot tell you their generosity. They are very much like, yeah, just come over. Oh, you want to throw a party at my house while you're house sitting for me? Do it. In fact, go get our chef and chef fucking have them do it up for you on us. Like they loved being able to have Mm. people come and enjoy the abundance that they experienced. And I, I would not be as open with my house as they were like, they are just very, so they're so generous. Um, And you know what I love about Mark specifically, they're very, they're very different. Um, Mark is very more like me a little bit, you know, brutal, harsh, and direct, uh, Carrie less so, but I love that about Mark because you always get your straight shot from them and they encourage mm-hmm. people. They are, they're, they're helpful. They're and Mark, Mark just trusts women. He trusts you. He's not a micromanager. Neither of them have ever been in any way. They just trust so much. And so like, I'm just so grateful for their trust in me. And also too, you know, always do their personal assistance. So they're trusting me with all their medical, I mean, you know, like a mm-hmm. lot of really personal stuff, their bank accounts, you know, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That means a lot to me that they would trust me with that. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I just think everyone loves the Sissons because of this sort of generosity that they have about their lives. And um, Carrie is very open. She's very unlike me. She will wear her heart on a sleeve. She has no shame in telling you anything about her life. And I'm not like that, as you know, I mean, I've had to work towards that, but Mm -hmm. that's something I admire in her Mm -hmm. because that's really confident as fuck. It's really not giving Mm -hmm. a shit about what anyone has to say. And if anyone doesn't really give a shit, it's probably Carrie. And I, I really admire that about her in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think Mark has that quality too. Like it's helped him be able to speak truth and reason. That's one thing I love about Mark and the health community is that he speaks truth and reason. He doesn't like go with the flow and ride the wave of what everyone else is saying. He takes a minute to be like, "Mm, let's actually like bring this down to like reality and what's practical and what actually works. I love that about him and integrity, like working for someone who you know has integrity and is ethical at every turn means so much because then you're not standing by feeling like you're a part of something that you're witnessing. Mm -hmm. They're very ethical out of integrity. Um, and I mean, I honestly, I just, I I love that. I like literally I've been brought to tears so many 
times in my, in my life in the past eight years for the, the joy of being able to work with them. But you know, it's oddly enough, I felt uh, more for Mark and Carrie, but I also felt the same way about the boss I had when my arms got injured. I've had two mentors in life that were heads mm. of companies that have been incredible people, very although cool. very different, but lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I already what like was a, such a super fan of Mark just because of the, his approach and the way he is. But when at metabolic health summit, when I saw that he was like, literally like working the primal kitchen booth, which I'm pretty sure he had already sold primal kitchen by them. He's like working the booth, like all three days. Like he was there. Like, I was like, wow, that's amazing. Just being there for people, just taking time, being one-on-one with them, like making everybody feel so important and so valued and like on the equal level as him. Like, I was just like, that's amazing. That says a lot. Don't have, like, you don't have to, at least with me, I know other people would feel this way. I don't have to edit myself around them. No matter what I say. That's cool. It's straight, brutal, disgusting, not off color, like whatever. They've got great senses of humor. They're, Mm -hmm. they're not easily offended. So, you know, like uh, it's, it's, it's great. Yeah. They're great. Very cool. Thanks for sharing that. Um, the biggest lessons learned from both your hand injury and hypothyroidism. The hand injury, I think the biggest lesson was obviously, uh, I wish I had dealt with the shame about it way sooner instead of wait 20 years to deal yeah. with because that effed up a lot of stuff in my life. No one could have shoulda, but I would have, mm-hmm. I wish deal I with shame quicker. I'm sure you felt the same way about the stuff you had yep. shame about. I would, yep. if I could go back in time, mm, would have gotten flat with that real quick. I'm sure would have changed a lot about yeah. the in my life. Um, the biggest lesson from hypothyroidism is, uh, and again, this is something I say on almost every interview. My mistake, and I put that in air quotes, is I just believed and trusted doctors when I walked out of their Mm -hmm. offices. Now, to my credit, there weren't any podcasts or things like that then. So, you know, but now there are. So there's no excuse. So my big message on hypothyroidism or anything is someone diagnoses you with some shit, you better get into it and learn all that you can. You might be able to help your doctor help you. They might not even know what the hell they're talking about. That has absolutely used to happen every day. I talk to clients. So, you know that will shorten your journey, your personal perseverance. And again, had I had this about me, uh, I would probably not been able to find the information at the time. So whatever, it wasn't necessarily a mistake, but that is a mistake that people are currently making. And I think it's a grave one. Mm-hmm. And so that's the lesson I learned. And never again, will I, even with Dr. Ford and my own doctor, if I just feel right, I'm going to challenge him on it. Yep. Yep. Get other you opinions. Welcome it. But I, yeah. I, will, I just don't, I'm going to, or he'll be like, oh, take hundred milligrams that. And I'll go, ah, I, I won't feel right about it for whatever reason. I'll go, I'll yeah. start off with 50. And he might be like, whatever, it doesn't make a difference, but like, whatever he would want me to be intuitive. So, yep. um, so yeah. I know Lindsay, uh, you know, trainer, Lindsay, my friend on Instagram, and I was coaching for her, her for a while. And I know she did a consult with you too. And mm-hmm. she was competing, um, in, in bikini competitions. And she said that she like knew intuitively, she knew she was pushing her body too far. Like her, her intuition was like, you got to stop. And she was like, no, I'm just going to trust what my coach says. I just have to do it like this. And she fought it and it led her into a pretty intensive bout with hypothyroidism. And, um, she shares that and I'm grateful she shares that. And I also, you made me think of, um, I'm reading principles by Ray Dalio right now. A book is so good. Mm -hmm. And he was saying the same thing. Like he went from being diagnosed with these, uh, uh, tumors, uh, that they were saying he was going to have esophageal cancer. So in like, within like 24 hours, he went from like, you're going to die in the next year from esophageal cancer to never mind. You actually don't even have those because of a second opinion. <laughs> it's like, man, like, so like, yeah, can you I, look, I talk to people who've had their, and this is a great example. Cause 
someone, and I obviously wasn't her, but some doctor put her on T3, like a large amount. And I think what you worked with her on, which was the can, I think I told her, I don't know that she ever needed to get put on this in the beginning because it was a lifestyle thing that drove her into it and likely a lifestyle thing yeah. would have out. So that's another great example of, and it, not, not blaming her, but whoever was in that situation, like what fucking doctor decided to just put her on medication, given the scenario, you know, you look at the scenario and you go, Oh girl, you just like overworked yourself here and underate yourself here. So <laughs> I don't know that she means shit. Um, yeah. I mean, so yeah, you've got to be your own doctor to some degree, you know, so those yeah. are the two lessons from those two things. And, and the overall lesson is they're the biggest gifts in my life that have led to the happiest, most awesome yeah. times. And it, dreams and goals accomplished. So gifts in life come wrapped in shit and yep. it might take a minute and I would <laughs> never take those things back despite the things they cost. Yeah. I'm going to make that my next Instagram post and quote. That was you. an Instagram post. <laughs> yeah. Gifts come wrapped in shit. Oh, I didn't see it. Okay. Oh, yeah, I'll no, share it. I that one. It's, it's really true though. It's really true. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, okay. Next uh, you've published two books, the paleo thyroid solution and confident as fuck. What advice do you have for someone who wants to write a book? You know, uh, I might've mentioned it before, but I looked it up once. I think like 80% of the U S population once wishes they were a writer. Yeah. And I think it is because there is this glorized ideal of this lifestyle. Like, Oh, I'm going to be traveling. And I just, write <laughs> and, like, and I get that. Like, I, technically that's kind of true. Um, yeah. but do you have something to say and are you compelled to say it? And if you're not, then don't because right. the act of writing Anyone can help you with that. You could get a ghostwriter. You could, it doesn't matter. You could dictate it and have someone else write. That, that's not the thing. Do you have enough to say? Uh, or not enough, but for what you want. And so I find mm -hmm. that people have the idea of a book, but they don't have the juice to fill wow. it. And yeah. if you do, and you feel like you've got all this stuff, then yeah, because I was compelled to write both those books. I'm still compelled to write more books. There's no shortage of things that are emanating from me in terms of creativity. And it's not to say that you can't be a one and done author and write one book and never write anymore. That's fine too. But I would just say before you attack that, you have to be really compelled, you know, instead yeah. of just be like, oh, this seems like a cool uh, career or idea. Right. Cause it's kind of more about you than it is about the people receiving the message, right? It's like, I'm a writer, right? Um, I, I love what you're saying there because, you know, I love to write Instagram posts like that, like I love writing. That's part of it. And it's like the, I know it's like the challenge is for me to convey it in a way that's enjoyable for someone else. And it's, it's, um, digestible for them in a way that creates impact. Um, and that's a really cool thing about writing, you know, is like, you I, I and speaking in your own voice. Cause that's the problem when you get, when someone gets a ghostwriter for a book, then they're like disappointed with it because they're like, oh, but it doesn't sound like me. You're like, yeah. well, it's not going to sound like you unless you're expressing it in the way you would. So yeah. that's the other thing too, you can have a ton of information, but is it also delivered in a compelling way? You know, both of my books have a lot of elements of people being like, oh, I feel like I'm listening to you. I feel like I can hear you. I, I feel like I, I know you yeah. because right. I just talk in the way I feel like I want to talk and I don't give a shit what anyone has about it. Um, but again, that's me being me. It's the natural way that I speak. And so I think that that's important to stay true to who you are and how you express yourself when you're a writer versus try to lock it up in some like, you know what I mean? Yes, I do. Cause I'm writing a book right now. Yeah. And I did that at first. It was like, it was like, I was trying to 
write a book, like how books sound or whatever. And then I was like, what am I doing? Like, just say, do it like you normally do, like on Instagram or whatever. And it got so much better. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. absolutely. Because when you're writing it, I mean, you're that I can hear you on those posts on mine. You're like, oh yeah, I could could hear Tara saying this. It's like voice. Yeah. So unique and you don't lose that. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Thank you. Um, all right. Your favorite part and your least favorite part of COVID the whole COVID my favorite and least favorite. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have so many favorite parts, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is, which is odd. Um, least favorite part. I missed out on seeing my mom and I'm really bummed out about it. Um, not feeling comfortable, really hugging friends or getting in there with like, uh, friends, babies who just had babies. Mm -hmm. I just want to, you just, mm. and uh, so that I don't like, I don't like the lack of, you know, luckily I've been able to borrow a dog here and there and get some hugs yeah. and some and do a mass hug with a friend, but you know, I miss the openness of physical touch and, you know, yeah. expression. Um, and yeah, just miss like hanging out with everyone, going out to restaurants, all that kind of stuff. But aside from that, there were too many pandemic prizes for me to ignore. Um, so many things happened. Like uh, as an actor, sometimes we do workshops with casting directors. It takes a lot of time to drive there, go there. The whole thing could be all fucking night. You got to sit there. Now they're online. Oh my God, this mm-hmm. is like a whole new world for me. So a lot mm-hmm. of also auditioning and stuff is online. It was anyway, uh, but the casting director thing wasn't. So that was a score. I discovered so many new kick-ass fucking amazing hikes during mm-hmm. this pandemic. I live in the middle of the mountains. I do all the same trails, but because we were like, all right, we got nothing else to do but walk and be outside. We went and explored and we found, like I found a private secret hike. There's no way any, like nobody knows about it. I've been hiking it forever. Probably awesome. not, I'm definitely not listening it anywhere, but you know what I mean? It's one of these things <laughs> where I was just on it yesterday with my hiking buddy and we were like, thank God we found this place. That's so cool. Like, so we've just had, I've had so many great outdoor excursions and things like that. And also too, um, talking with friends more on the phone over this time because everyone's got more time. And so like even getting closer and deepening friendships and relationships with friends that were already close and everything, but I feel like we're talking more. So, you know, that was, that was really nice too. Wow. I love that. I love your perspectives on that perspectives on that. Um, all right. Last one. What's what's next for Elris? What is, what do you have on the horizon? What, you know, is in your heart, your dreams, aspirations, goals, what's next for Elle? This is such a tough question because there's mm-hmm. so many, no, really there's <laughs> so many things I want to do. I can't, I don't even know where to begin. Writing more TV and film, getting more into sketch comedy, acting, all that stuff. Yes. Yes. Um, also all the stuff that you, you know, you and I do in the health arena, um, doing some courses, right. Uh, mm-hmm. recording some audiobooks and some other things that I want to get done. Those are just kind of like practical things that need to happen. Um, and you know, again, like writing, writing more books, being out there, uh, it's just like no shortage of things that I want to do, um, which I think is a great problem to have. So there's nothing <laughs> I'd, I think I'd rather have that than not know. Um, so I feel lucky that way. Um, but yeah, at, immediately right now, uh, paleothyroid solution course in the works. Mm-hmm. And wow, um, very cool. I like that out. That way it can be less one-on-one, more comprehensive. You can keep mm-hmm. going back and listening to it, getting really detailed into dosing and stuff like that. I've already recorded Brad Kearns on it to talk about the paleo very primal great. aspect of it. I can give a free book away with it now because my publishing situation is different. So mm. it, it's just a good time for it. And I'd like to give something to someone that they can just buy and like 
refer to have. what you need to instead of keep having to call me. Yeah. Uh, just because it's going to be more comprehensive and in their thing. So I'm excited. Very cool. About, yeah. All that stuff. Yeah, that's super needed. <laughs> Everyone's gonna be like, so when's that ready? Oh yeah, that will be nice because you're exactly right. Like it's a lot to take in at first with hypothyroidism. It's like, what I don't even know what all these things mean. Free T4, free T3, reversible APO. Well, what is a TPO? What is it? You know, like yeah. all that stuff. So it's like the, to be able to go back and refer to it and get educated, that's a that's a really cool resource for people. Yeah. So excited about that. Um, all right, L, thank you so much for giving thank us some you. insights into your your life and your heart and getting to know you a little better. This has been super fun. Um, I guess we'll go ahead and close it up guys. Be sure to come join us, um, on Facebook kick-ass life podcast is the name of our group. Um, please feel free to, uh, submit requests for topics on there. If you guys have anything that stirring in you that you just want us to go into, please let us know. Um, again, on our website, there's access to all of our episodes. Um, they all link to the YouTube version. So if you want to share, that's kind of a nice central place to share for people. Cause it can go on all platforms and that's just kickasslifepodcast.com. Um, and again, you can find links to our discounts with our sponsors. Um, that's rep provisions, paleo Valley and, um, uh, uh, primal kitchen, of course. Um, and so yeah, uh, find us there and all of our books and everything like that. But L thanks so much. It's Thank been fun you. digging into things with you today. See y'all next week.